Okay. Here we go. Final season. First. Final episode. Sober podcast episode in a minute. Of third. Because your girl is on medication. Eventually, I was able to speak Spanish and English fluently, which led to the discovery of both Spanish and English. Spanglish. Scoop ish, you already know what it is, man. Our ba- baby, our our baby, all the monikers you can imagine in the world, everything that sets your girl on fire past midnight. You know, tell your kids that I'll be home. Tell, tell them to not call me after midnight because my kids will be asleep. All right, I'm gonna keep going. Veronica's already looking annoyed. We, we doing this big, all right? You already know what it is, man. I'm on, I'm, I'm on my DJ drama ish, Mr. Thanksgiving, because we are in November. We coming out strong. This is what you. This is what happened when you get that that Mexican Nazi intro, right? Just complete hype, no silence. You already know. I actually don't. Did you even introduce yourself in the title? Mexican Nazi. You heard it. Oh, you got okay. a Mexicano, baby. R. Okay. All right. All right. All right. I actually, I don't see what the difference was between any of that that you just said and my impersonation of you, or sorry, my Halloween costume of you last week. I think that I was pretty spot on. Now I put that the I swag and the flair in it. What? Hi, hello, it's Vero Fuerte. Uh, this is the smooth sounds of my voice, primarily because I can only like open my mouth like half a diameter or how it. Anyway, yeah, wisdom tooth. That's a thing. Pretty painful, right? Yeah, yeah, but like I said. Uh, so Veronica is still undergoing her recovery phase from her uh, wisdom teeth surgery last Wednesday, right? Last Wednesday. Oh my gosh, has it been a freaking week already? Tomorrow, tomorrow will be a week. Well, they said that it was gonna get worse before it got better, and today was freaking evidence of that. So, I could barely open my mouth. Like this is this is about as far as I was gonna go. So, whatever you guys do, don't expect any like loud Veronica outbursts this episode. This ain't the one, baby. So, do you think you've are you reaching that peak? Or you have reached the peak? I hope so. Point. I motherfucking hope so. I'm so over this crap. Like, but hi, hello. It's great to be here on our penultimate. No, ultimate. This is the ultimate last, last yeah. episode of the season. It's been a pretty great run, if I do say so myself. I feel a lot of things about the season. I'm really proud of us, if that's weird to say. But anyway, I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. Hi, hello. Uh, again, uh, I guess we should go ahead and we start off uh, with the Latinx birthdays. Yeah. So happy, happy birthday to Carlos Fuentes, uh, who was uh, born this week. Uh, he's a celebrated novelist from Mexico who wrote the uh, novel A Death of Artemis Cruz, along with happy, happy birthday to Fernando Allende, who is uh, also a Latin singer, actor and writer. Carlos Fuentes, that name does sound familiar. Yeah, yeah, he's like a really big novelist. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I actually had heard of uh, Death of Artemis Cruz before. It's just like one of uh, the many books that I have yet to fucking touch because I am a chronic procrastinator. <laughs> yeah, shout out to those two. 
Uh, so you want to move into our first topic? You got yeah. anything else you want to mention? Uh, nope, nope. That's a, that's about it. Hey, yo, yeah. Before we start, actually, just shout out to all the guests that were on that were on uh, the episodes previous to this. I was trying to like circle back to that at the end of the podcast. We're, this we're is gonna like we're gonna we're gonna do it again. Mexicano. But we're trying we're gonna do it again. But we're just trying to you know just let it be known like you know appreciate everybody that came on. You know, shout out to William. Shout out to Fresco's Taco. Shout out to Chico the engineer. Uh, Smooth Vega. Uh, XB Valentine. Am I forgetting anybody? Um, uh, am tunes, I? Am I? Tunes, yeah, tunes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't tunes, yeah. Tunes, Last but not yeah. least, mm-hmm. yeah, like no, shout out to all y'all. You know, very much appreciated. This season would be what it was without y'all. So, yeah. So moving into the next topic, uh-huh. well, Veronica's face. I love it. I that's one thing. That's, those, that's the one thing. I'm. I'm I, see, she she be she be getting. Uh, I don't know if it's you or who's the painkillers. I am dying. She today. began annoyed of like little production things that she doesn't even state that that she wanted to do, and then it's I just, do it. To me, it seems common sense. Like, why would you say like goodbyes and shout outs at the beginning of the podcast? It's shout out. It's not goodbyes. It's just shout outs. It's no. It's no goodbyes. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, you know what? This is like a look behind the scenes, you guys. Not everything is. <laughs> Uh, honey and silk not that we ever pretend i don't think it us, is we don't ever pretend for a for a single second that like we get on uh, we get on 100 percent of the time no but that's the beauty of it anyway so yes. first topic yes so just like anybody uh alive on earth most of, a lot of times we don't ever stick to what is current regarding like what we love in media whether it be movies television and for this segment, specifically music, because uh, I'm pretty sure there's a plethora of music that existed before you even born that you love. Would you say so? Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, um, most of my heart is filled up with, like, 80s music, and I was born in fucking 93. Right. So, we're going to we're gonna go past a little bit the 80s, and I kind of want to talk about the obsession that Hispanics, and not maybe not all Hispanics, but a very selective few of Hispanics, Latinos have when it comes to oldies. Now, when I say oldies, yeah, you have to specify. You, that for yeah, me. you're kind of talking about a certain time in music. Um, you're talking about that Richie Valen, that Smokey Robertson, that you know Curtis Mayfield, and the uh, the impressions. So we're know, when, so if we're talking like decades, like you're talking like I'm talking 50s. about mid fifties to the mm-hmm. early sixties, mm-hmm. right before rock and roll really like took mm-hmm. off. Like, because this was kind of like what popular music was before rock and roll really became its thing. Okay. I mean, Elvis was already kind of present, but rock and roll was still finding its footing, I guess. And oldies, uh, and we call them oldies now, but like a lot of oldies are predominantly sold in like R&B, right? Yeah, and to the 30s, they would have been newsies. Yeah, I mean, big band, swing, all that. Um, mm-hmm. So, there is a, and like I said, there's a very specific subsect. And I'm just going to fly out and say it. People who subscribe to the Cholo, uh, Lowrider, you know, Baggy Dickies, Starts Gene movement are very much a big fan of the of the oldies of lowrider music, what a lot of them call it. You know, this. The, and we're not talking about boleros, right? No. I mean. But that's from around the. Uh, th- those are around from the same. Decade. Yeah, but boleros talk is specifically like. Spanish, right? For the most part. For the, yeah, they're called boleros. Right. Yes. So, but when it comes to oldies and like that Chicano lifestyle, it's predominantly American music. Mm-hmm. It has to be like 
in Richie Valen, it was kind of like a crossover. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, for sure. It was mostly English, but you know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He definitely crossed over when it came to like being Hispanic and like, but still appealing to a very wide audience. Mm-hmm. Um, I first came into contact of oldies with, uh, came with my cousin. Uh, he used to have like these, and like, 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 and this lets you know how big this like crazes to this day on a very small level but i feel like it's still there they will like be like these compilations that will have like that very gangster like aztec art on the cover and it will say like low rider music mm-hmm. and you put it on thinking you're about to hear like some gangster stuff but it's just smooth r&b from like the 50s and 60s and that was like my first like introduction to like what and is this, was this on cassette cd it was, okay. it was like it was like 99 so the, oh, the CD okay. So what did it say? Like, what was the title? It was like I can't remember. I just remember it being green. It had like the muscular Aztec warrior holding the like Aztec princess uh-huh. on it. And, like, oh, yeah. so it had a legit cover art. It wasn't just like a brand CD that. No, it was like it was like one you could buy because like you know you remember Lowrider magazines? Yeah. Like they would have stuff like that in the magazine that you could like order or even it came included with the magazine. And it would be soft rock R and B. Well, I mean oldies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you know stuff like uh. Like I said, the Impressions, the Manhattans, um, uh, what the uh, Blue Blue Magic, like a lot of like soul R and B groups that you know just has like that certain vibe to it. That when you're just chilling outside with the, with the ladies, you know, you're having a barbecue on a Sunday night, or maybe you're in, you're in, you're in the Cutlass, you know, you're in the Caddy, rolling down down your down your neighborhood. You put that music, and it just kind of creates this magic around you, this aura of like, like yeah, I'm that dude, you know. And I got my and I got my girl with me, and life is good. Mm-hmm. Like it's like like I said, it's really it's a, it's a big thing in lowrider culture, but I feel like that kind of like got my interest peaked when it came to like. Did you ever own a lowrider, Mexicano? No, <laughs> but but for me, it just came to the appreciation of the music, uh-huh. and I just loved it. Like just hearing like these vocals and like the way they soared and just instrumentation. This was like when I was a kid, when I was like six or seven, and not really knowing what was going on, but I would hear these songs and be like, "Man, this is like really good." And I like, and, and of course it's outside of the lowrider culture as well. Just, you know, normal people who like oldies aren't always like Chicanos or like, like Chola and stuff like that. I mean, probably Chicanos. Uh, but what I'm trying to say is you don't have to be necessarily subscribed to that lifestyle to like it. Cause there are plenty of people that to the do. the lowrider lifestyle? Yeah. I never before this moment ever thought that you had to be a little, uh, like, to subscribe to the low right. energy kind of No, exactly, exactly. But, like... but I'm saying that it's more prominent in that in that subculture. Uh-huh. Uh, all that type of music. Uh, obviously, anybody can listen to it. Not like it's just exclusive to them. But when it comes to, like, Hispanics and, like, Chicanos, that's, like, a big thing. Um, so, I don't know. What, are your, what is your experience like? Do you know, like, like, let's say, like, your parents, like your mom. Like, do you, what kind do you, of music did she listen to growing up? Does she like that type of music? Nah, homie. Like all of the music that I ever got into growing up, Temptations, Lou Ross, all of that stuff was all through like my own uh, exploration. I mean, don't get me wrong. I feel like the closest person that ever put me on it anything was maybe my uncle, and that was because he was ten years older than me. Uh, he was the one who got me into like pop hip-hop you know like at the time i mean and no offense to the people that i'm about to like name off but you know like uh kanye west around graduation you know when hey mama came out lupe fiasco like right around like that time 
um, when they were like radio hits and stuff, uh, my uncle would grab the CDs and he would play them. And like, that's how I got into like that genre of music and it evolved from there. And then I had to go back on my own and get back and get into the oldies. Like once I figured out, Hey, like, obviously like, it's like a, uh, it's like a breadcrumb, a breadcrumb trail. Like everything like comes after everything sourced from somewhere else. Right. Um, but as far as the the music that my parents and people around me listened to, it wasn't oldies. Hell, to, uh, well, no. The closest thing to oldies is like obviously they listen to boleros, they listen to rancheras, they listen to like like uh Vicente Fernandez, like really old school Mexican music, and on top of that, like eighties. Uh, uh, that's that's where I got influenced with my love of soft rock. You know, you give me Celine Dion, um, Patrick Swayze. Did Patrick Swayze sing? I feel like no, maybe he was just on Dirty Dancing on the um on the on the soundtrack, but I don't think that he actually sang. Anyway, um but yeah, no, you give me any of that soft rock stuff, that that's basically where I got it from. I got it I got it from my mom. Uh, Cher, Madonna, all of that stuff. Well, I mean, Cher and Madonna didn't really stick to me like that, but, you know, something along those lines, that general genre. Um, that's about as oldie as they get. I think that my mom liked a couple of, like, really old-school country western songs, and that's it. I, I Honestly, like, I come from a family or at least a neighborhood that... We were so pre, and this it sounds weird to say, but we were so preoccupied with just like living and trying to get by, especially when I was younger, that they didn't really enjoy music like that. Hmm. You know, they didn't enjoy the arts, or they didn't enjoy it's, and it's not like that. My, it's just we were all very like work focused. We were all very like we have to do, we have to do this to get from point a to point b uh and you know um i think the closest thing that we ever did as far as like joy and celebration and stuff like that is probably in regards to food but music not so much i had to really cultivate a love of that and a research of that and an, uh, and a knowledge of that on my own hmm interesting i guess i guess for me i just find it very interesting that the fact that like I said, like I, I was first intro- introduced to it through like this compilation CD, like a legitimate CD that was pressed from like some sort of record, lowrider based record company. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that when I think about it now, in, in in hindsight, they were going to like finding vinyl to find these old songs, tra- uh, tra- uh, transfer them digitally and put them on CDs. Like, and, I mean, and, but that's what they all always had to do. Either that or, like, get them from another CD. Yeah, but it's one thing to do it to a very popular album, but it's another thing to, like, find very obscure songs, like oldies. A lot of oldies, oldies. But how do you know they were all that obscure? They're obscure for us, but maybe they weren't obscure back then, you know? Maybe but, they were the top 40 back then. No, that's the thing. A lot of these artists, because back then it was so cutthroat to get into the industry, if you didn't hear about a certain artist, they were kind of lost. They were kind of lost the time. That's true. So people over the years... From like the fifties on, and like in the eighties, and like the nineties, where it really started because of hip hop, also helped just bring back these samples that people just never heard, um, and finally bring it to light for the first time in like decades. And I just find it, like I said, I find it it's endearing because they are finding these old gems that maybe people have forgotten about, but maybe they heard when they were a kid, 
maybe that their parents listen to and like, oh, I remember that song. Let me try to go find it. Let me press it up and put it on a CD and now let me distribute it to all the homies. You know, stuff like that. So they could cruise around in the in the Cadillac and stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It's a very unique thing to Hispanics to like have that love and appreciation for oldies. And not old. Not- I've never heard of that before in my life before you brought it up 10 minutes before we started recording for this podcast. It's a thing. Look it up. Look it up. I, I, I challenge you. Just okay. Google just Google oldies right. and Hispanics, Ch- Chicano. Type in like oldies, Chicanos. You'll find a plethora of like compilations on YouTube. All right, all right. With like the I'll typical, take your word for with it. like the typical like sad girl like drawing that you. Would oh see, yeah, like, no, I remember the yeah, drawings. Yeah, like yeah. I, I know the uh, the artistic motif very well. Oh yeah. But. Yeah. All right, so mm-hmm. moving on to our next topic, we have uh, mm-hmm. a little bit of a more sour news, a little bit more current event. This is uh, involving the recent tragedy that happened at the second annual Astroworld Festival. Scottapalooza. Yeah, yeah Astroworld. Yeah, I believe yeah. it's the second one because I think the year prior, or 2019 was the was the first one, and last year was COVID, so it didn't happen. But, um, so it was scheduled to go down between what was last week? I think the fifth and the sixth. Yes. Yeah. So Friday and Saturday. Um, but that very that very Friday, from the very from the very beginning, and you can go online and research and see certain videos. It was already getting pretty hectic, you know, particularly with like people trying to get in. Some people eventually like, like just decided to like bum rush the uh, the security entrance and just kind of run through a, a, a fence. Actually, got broken down, and you can kind of already tell so that. So, for someone who has n- who has not heard about this at all, what exactly went down? So, so Astro World is a concert, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah, put it, on every yeah. Yeah, it's a very new one, but it's a it's a it's a festival that that Travis uh, puts on where he invites a lot of uh, artists, some of his friends, just some people he likes. Uh, down to Houston to kind of celebrate, like, you know, what was, I guess, taken away at one point, which was Astor, which was the Six Flag down in Houston. And this is kind of like his way of, like, kind of like giving something back to the city that they can enjoy on a yearly basis, right? And, you know, if you've been to a Travis show, he's known for getting wild, what he likes to call raging, right? And he learned that from, like, Cuddy, because, you know, Cuddy's one of his favorite artists, you know, Mr. Rager, all that. So that's where he gets his whole influence from to, like, you know, let's rage, let's go crazy, let's turn up. And sometimes Travis's fans can kind of be a little overboard. Be be too much. Be doing too much. Yeah. Mm. And that's why I don't fuck with mosh pits, bruh. You already know how I feel, man. But mm. but even with that said, I don't think all of this doesn't really have to do with the fans. Ultimately, this I think this comes down to a, a perfect bad concoction that just kind of culminated into this tragedy. And what happened was that. Uh, eight people, I believe it's still eight people. Uh, I may be wrong if the number has gone up, but eight people have um, passed. passed away, lost mm-hmm. their life due to what a lot of people say was uh, overcapacity. So these people essentially were passing out. They were being suffocated pretty much by the crowd. Yeah, and they just couldn't escape because there was just so much. I think the numbers, I think they said that at one point the capacity at the, you know, wherever they, Probably they were. Probably panic attacks too. Yeah, 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 for sure. Wherever they were gathering was like fifty thousand, and this is—it's a pretty wild. big space. I think it was the NRG park. It's a pretty big space, but you just imagine that cluster of people. I mean, we went—we went to ACL, and and some of those crowds, it was probably maybe what, two hundred, three hundred, and it already felt like a lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I did, but I don't—I don't even think the crowds were at least the way that everyone's describing Astro World. 
uh, ACO was not nearly as bad. Well, yeah, yeah. For, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like, just imagine 50,000 people, like, crammed in. Mm. And, like, just, you, you're talking about people who, I mean, I think a kid lost his life. Like, a little 10-year-old boy. I mean, I mean these are people who normally just what don't. What is he doing in this real world? It's, it's open to all ages. I guess. And I, and I think that's one of the lessons learned behind this. Like, man, you got to have tighter, like, regulation when it comes to these things. Like, you know. I don't, I don't know. The thing is just that when it comes to chaotic things like that, I think what's the most, not even necessarily distressing, but just one of those things where it's like, I don't want to say, like, what are you going to do? But one thing that is really, really, contr- like, hard to control in this life is this idea of mob mentality you know it's like when you get like so many people together you know it's almost like it's almost like you never know what's gonna happen you know and like sometimes you pay the ultimate price for it and i'm not saying that i just i i don't know i just i i personally do not have the answer for that kind of solution you know because Think about, like, I mean, obviously not in the past year and a half, but typically, you know, like, all of the concerts that people go to, all of the 5Ks that people run, all of the things that involve mass gatherings, at any point in time, you know, people could just, yeah, turn up, turn loose, turn too hard, and then, you know, like, disaster could happen. Um, you're We are around crowds, uh, obviously, like, not that not necessarily the case in the past year and a half but we are around crowds so much more often than people than than we are aware of you know with at any point in time that anything could happen and i'm not saying this to be a fear monger because i i'm probably the most relaxed around other human beings probably way more relaxed than more other than other people are I'm just saying that at the end of the day, it's like there's a part of this that feels that feel that feels not inevitable, but like uncontrollable. Like, what could we have done? Oh, yeah. And I think that's what people are trying to figure out. Like, what could have been done? Like, mm-hmm. was it? And I think that's the part that people are really grappling with. Like right. Said, yeah, yeah. Because ultimately, when something like this happens, you're, it, people are very quick to, 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 to do so the blame game. Blamed, the blame game, you know? right? So, it's you know. how people... I don't know, find peace in some of this yeah, shit yeah. for whatever reason. If they can find someone to blame, they feel better. So obviously, you know, they're going to point the finger at Travis because the reason they say Travis because Travis is known to like, like I said, Mr. You know, Rage, he he is very known for like instigating the crowd and being like, mm-hmm. no, keep going, go go crazy, go crazy. Is that enough to justify him being responsible for this? I don't think so, personally. You know, even if he does get a little bit out of hand when he keeps telling people to like keep going, keep going crazy, I don't think that's still a reason to blame him. Obviously, you're going to blame the promoters, his team who went ahead and, you know, put together the festival, security teams. There's so many things that could have happened, you know, should have been more rules in place, like I alluded to earlier. We don't know. Um, I've been, when I watched some videos on YouTube about people talking about their firsthand account, one weird thing, and I don't, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but one weird thing they keep, I keep sending these videos, and I feel like it's just kind of like sick and like they're kind of toying with what happened is that they keep describing the event as, like, satanic and demonic. And that the reason that all this happened was because there was a satanic presence in the air and that it was demonic and it was, like, this bad juju. What kind of TikToks are you watching? Really? Like, for real? Like, people are, like, really... Like, everything that comes across my feed, every every single video I watch, they'll talk about, like, oh, yeah, it was, like, this and this, like that. And then they'll eventually bring up something about Satan and demons. And I'm like, 
there's a part of me that's just like, okay, maybe you got bad vibes, but there's also another part of me that says like, this just feels like you're kind of like exploiting the situation. Exploiting it for what? For the Lord? No, like you're 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 saying that something was like satanic and demonic, and like almost making like you're taking the focus away from like the victims and just making it about like this evil presence that you felt. Mm-hmm. And that and that somehow that is the reason for the, well, some for the loss of life. Well, some people's spirituality is like that tight, you know. It's not even that. Most of the people in the video will straight up say like, "I'm not spiritual at all," but they'll but they'll keep mentioning something about demonics and stuff like that. It's weird. I don't know. I don't know why this. It, it's a common theme in the videos. I don't know. I find that really interesting. I don't yeah. know what to make of that. Yeah. So, you know, definitely. Sh- um, Sending uh, condolences to all the family that yes. are dealing with the loss of uh, their loved ones. And hopefully... Because not- the last thing... I mean, not to like... I mean... What? I was just going to say... You ever thought about how you were going to die, Mexicano? Um... Nah. No? Mm-mm. I don't think... I have done the math about right around when I'm going to die, like around like the decades and stuff, and that stuff freaks me out. Even mm-hmm. though, like, uh, even though I don't like to think about it that much, but like uh, I've told you, one of my biggest fears is to like die choking on food, right? Mm-hmm. And I can only think that again. Ah, uh, just ah, uh, it just it frustrates me because this shouldn't have happened. Don't and- tell me you're thinking about that thing about like if you were to die, you want to go out in a blaze of glory. No, 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 no. Okay, that sounds like something ignorant ass 13 year old Veronica would have said. Because it sounds like, man, it'd be so lame to die while I choke on my food. Oh, I mean, no, it would be. But that's what I'm saying. Of course it'd be lame because you're dead. But it would be lame because I'm dead. But the thing is, is that people die all of the time. And I just think that, like, dying at this Astro World concert, I'm sorry, I'm going to just say it, like, it sucks and it's a stupid way to go and i'm really really sorry for to all of the families that now have to deal with this because i mean yeah obviously it's everything first and foremost that their loved ones are gone but i'm just thinking about like if i want to choose a way to die like that would not be it and so i'm sorry and um condolences to you yeah yeah hopefully they um Get some resolution. I think a lot, a lot of the families are suing right now. So we'll see how that goes in the next coming weeks or months. And what we have next, you guys, is, of course, the very last one for season three of In Living's Spanglish podcast. You already know it is Conspiracy Corner. Oh. Conspiracy Corner. The money maker. Why do you keep exaggeratively like? You don't don't act like we don't got like thousands of dollars in the bank because of this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're thousands right. of monopoly bills just stacked up mm-hmm. in our fictional. All uh, that fake money's baby. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know this. This is a million dollar idea. That's what I'm just saying. All right, I got to put it out to the universe. You know, you're all about you know putting things out there. Manifesting shit. Yeah, manifesting. Yeah, yeah, you know I'm on my woo woo shit. Yeah, I'm putting I'm putting Especially it out. Especially lately, I'm yes. putting it out there. So, last one for uh, this season, conspiracy corner. Uh, this might be a little, I want, I mean, some of my conspiracy corners have been in like bad taste, I would say some of them, but this one just feels extra because we're in November and November 22nd is not too far off. This is, it's November 9th today. And if you know what happened in November 22nd, 1963, then you kind of see what, where this, uh, conspiracy is probably going. That was the day of uh, the JFK assassination in Dallas. 
Um, my conspiracy corner for this week uh, is about the theory that the driver of JFK's uh, automobile uh, shot the president. The driver of JFK's automobile shot JFK? Yeah. How do you figure that? So, uh, I'm going to tell you. I'm glad, I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> so, the theory goes... That's what I'm here for. Good segue, woman. <laughs> yeah. So, the theory goes that um, uh, Governor John Connolly... Uh, Colony. Uh, Colony? Uh, yeah. Who was Mono, the... Monopia. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was the governor of, of Texas at that time. Um, had a rifle that he was going to bring with him and stow away somewhere on his person. And that the reason he brought it was that him and... and uh, John John Kennedy were gonna go to the sh- to the shooting range after after this whole little parade thing was done and like shoot guns you know because why not you're in Texas you're gonna shoot some guns right um so that was the plan and that apparently this is all alleged there was a robbery that happened at the governor's house the night prior and people believe that somebody that was close to the president was the one that broke into the governor's house. And took that that pistol, that gun. Um, the driver, by the way, is named William Greer. He is a real person. This isn't somebody just made up. He is the person that is driving the the motorcade that day. And that the infamous the Pruda film, the one where you see the president actually being shot in the head, uh, has been heavily edited or completely removed the scene to where the driver turns around. And shoots him? And shoots the president right in the head. First of all, there would have been eyewitnesses to that. Yeah. Right? Oh, what a sucky ass. Cause this is how you choose to end season three, Mexicano. It, it's it's, it's with, with the timing. Ass, no, it's not. Sucky ass. It ties into it. Conspiracy that it can be easily debunked. Well, I mean, it I, all, I, I, thought, I, think, I thought I knew you better, I, I think the re- Remember, I don't, I don't ever say if I believe these things or not. I'm just putting stuff out there. Uh-huh. All right? So a lot of people say that the reason this thing has legs is that because the person driving it, the person driving it was Secret Service, by the way. Mm-hmm. So if there was anybody that was going to get away with this, it would be somebody tied to the Secret Service. Because you're not really going to question the Secret Service. The people who are like literally, their whole mission is to protect the president at all costs. So are you going to get? Are you going to go against the word of a Secret Service agent that what happened? What 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 ha- Like let's say they they painted it as a as an accident mm-hmm. that let's say because this is what, what what a lot of people think is that the whole plan was to kill the president right the united states government was going to kill the president by any means that's what the theory says and that the the everything around it like george uh, oswald shooting the rifle was kind of a distraction and that the driver was acting in self-defense but while acting in self-defense he had accidentally shot the president that's where it starts to grow like a little bit more plausible that it was an accident but it was all part of this elaborate scheme to kill him in the first place nah see because see no people people got way too much time on their hands because JFK assassination I already has so many conspiracy theories around it in the first place it's the greatest conspiracy of all time I don't know the man on the news got you beat bruh Mm-mm. yeah there's no way and I mean it's the Kubrick thing like with the man yeah that's cool That, that that's cool but the 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 JFK thing is the granddaddy, in my opinion, of conspiracy. When it comes to the amount, when it comes to documentation, when it comes to like just all these little obscure things, 
I don't think anything. Yeah, yeah. Man on the Moon may be more grandiose because because damn, it is the moon. But JFK. <laughs> That's what I want this podcast title to be. <laughs> <laughs> damn, but, it is the moon. Yeah, but like JFK, it just has so much weight to it, and like the gravity of it. No pun intended. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you full of them quips today, aren't you? <laughs> so that's it. Um, do with this information what you will. Oh, probably nothing. Probably You're gonna nothing. Do nothing. You're gonna listen to this podcast. You're gonna be like, oh, that's interesting, and then forget everything Mexicano Look, just told you if, in your ears. Uh, let me just uh, leave it with this, just to cap off the conspiracy corner for season three. If you're a really big fan of these, I would suggest going on YouTube and looking up Windagoon. W E N uh d-i-g-o-o-n he does a great conspiracy uh iceberg video that you will like spend hours just watching so please go watch him if you continue stuff like this if you love stuff like this that's not how you plug the ils podcast what you should be saying is is if you love stuff like this go back and listen to our old youtube of course videos. of course yeah listen to our we stuff should, first we should then really go to that. that we should really clip out these segments and really push you on the net i'll work on that and then while you're on youtube as well looking up windagoon make sure to go to the ils youtube channel there you well. go that's what we're talking about because we're still building building that up and you know posting content on there so mm-hmm. like um, subscribe subscribe yeah like subscribe turn on notification all mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right and so what we have next uh after that lovely conspiracy corner is we have the last the final glow of the year good looking out this is where we go ahead and we tell you everything that we've been into lately movies music books all of that good stuff um so what i have is actually something that i ended up just watching earlier today um it was released november 2nd so very recently it's a comedy special on hbo max by ira rodriguez uh and it's called fighting words um so, uh, unbeknownst to me, you know how sometimes you'll be following people on the socials for so long, or like you just randomly, absentmindedly hit the follow button, and then you completely forgot that you follow them at all. And then, so I was halfway watching, I was halfway through watching this special, right? Where I was like, this is really cool, this is really dope. I'm going to uh, pull her up on Instagram and start following her. I'm like, oh, wait, I already follow her. How come I didn't know that? <laughs> See? And that happens to me all the time. But any whoosies. Um, Actually, yeah. no. I don't think that ever happens to me. That happens I'm to pretty me deliberate all the time. I'm, I'm pretty deliberate in who I follow. I'm pretty generous in who I... If you're dope, I'm going to follow you. Okay? And I expect the same treatment back. Okay. So... She's not dope. Whatever. <laughs> all right. So, Fighting Words. Comedy special. HBO Max. Right? Uh, Ada Rodriguez uh, basically travels back to the Dominican Republic. Well, it's kind of split in two ways. You know how a lot of these comedy special works uh, works work how they are in like um, the stand up room or like the 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 venue half the time, and then the other half the time uh, they are because I know that. Um, uh, Yvonne Orji did this thing too where like the other half of the special she went back home right to Nigeria and with um, with Ada she ended up going back to the, the Dominican Republic but I'm glad they're being more creative with these like little uh, um, I guess uh, intermissions when it comes to like comedy specials like mm-hmm. streaming services because I'm tired of the green room dialogue that happens in almost every single one since like 99 mm-hmm. where it's just them and like their agent talking about whatever some of them could be funny but it's the same 
production for like the past 20 years. Right, right. And I mean, and I mean, for me, uh, you know me like a, a back in the very beginning of the year one of the uh, new year's resolution i made myself uh i made for myself was to laugh more right and in order to do that you have to surround yourself with funny things you have to you know watch more funny movies things like that and one of a big one of mine was to watch more comedy specials too um and so uh again like with the yvonne one and the rodriguez one that i've been watching they have i just found it um interesting that they both chose to do that sort of thing right back to back yeah but um again fighting words the comedy special uh she focuses on both uh, on both her comedy focuses on a lot of things like uh both sides of her puerto rican and dominican heritage uh colorism sexual abuse dating making reconnections with her past and all of that like yes it sounds really serious but it's it was really way more of a half comedy special half like yalma fix my life lifetime travel documentary um and i think without ever having seen her before one thing that you could really tell from watching her for this one hour was is that like she really nailed her storytelling to share her truth and her experiences without and her intention was very much like not to perpetuate negative stereotypes it's like she went and it's very hard describing and recommending comedy specials because you don't want to give away any of the jokes right so it's like that delicate balance of like saying what the comedy special was about but without you know like giving too much away um but you know she would i think one of the reasons i appreciated her was as a comedian she was able to go there and make fun of the wokeness that like elevates that tries to like ally ally themselves like next to minorities you know and uh, she called them out on stage and she she I don't know I just I really appreciated the fact that like she addressed a lot of the problems and a lot of the challenges that's a better word for a lot of the challenges that that happen in our Latino community with colorism and like with our fathers and things like that um and still showing a lot of love and light to our community honestly at the end of the day I'm gonna just tell you how the special made me feel like I finished watching it I felt like if my mom was a comedian and if my mom was like funny like that you know it felt like watching one of my tias or one of my moms be up there for an hour just like telling like the gruesome gritty truth of like how they came up but in a way that fills you up with hope and light and laughter and i loved it all in all like nine out of ten veronica stars it was really solid well, dang. Now we really know how you feel about your mom. She's not funny. No. No, my mom's a lot of things. Uh, funny's not one of them. Love you, ma. And Veronica's mom, I'm sorry for that. Nah. Your daughter doesn't think you're funny. That's okay. <laughs> not everybody can be funny. Um, I did see you watching some of that. And when I heard it, I'm like, I know what she's watching. Because I saw a, a com- uh, a advertisement for this like uh-huh. last week. And I was just like, like she's watching that thing. And I'm like, but she looked like she's asleep too. So I don't even know if she's oh, really watching. Oh, it was it. my wisdom teeth was fucking killing me. Okay. But I was trying to pay. Uh, I, w- I paid attention. I probably slept in like ten minutes in the middle of it. But oh, other than that, no, that's cool though. I'm gonna I'm check check it out because it looked interesting to me too. Yeah, I, it was I, really good when I saw the little promo for it. So, last glow of the season, and mine has to go to 
the newest film by Wes Anderson, saw it in theaters, The French Dispatch. Now, this film is a little different from its other ones in that it is a anthology. Mm-hmm. So you have... And what other films has uh, Wes Anderson made for those people that are familiar oh, with Oh, uh, if you don't know, uh, The Grand Buda- Budapest Hotel. Fantastic uh, Mr. Fox. The Fantastic Mr. Fox, Royal, Royal Tannenbaums, uh, Moonlight Kingdom, um, Rushmore. Uh, did I say Moonrise or Moonlight? You said Moonlight. Oh, yeah, Moonrise. <laughs> I'm more here thinking of uh, Moonlight, the, yeah, the yeah, other yeah, movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, what else has he made? Yeah, I mean, he had many, many more, but those are some of the mm-hmm. big ones. Um, so, yeah, this is very different in that it's an anthology and that he, there's about like four, I think it's four short stories within this um, this bigger picture that kind of tells the life and death of like this newspaper based in, in uh, Ennui, France, but is originally from this little small city in Kansas. I think it was called Liberty. And a years ago, the the creator of the newspaper, who's played by Bill Murray, uh, moved to France to kind of like be surrounded by art and like food and like being able to bring like this side of Europe to like the world, the side of France to be specific. And he recently passed away. This is not a really a big spoiler, by the way. This is right at the very beginning, so it's nothing, nothing crazy. But um, through the death of the creator it kind of like goes back in history kind of and kind of tells uh unique articles unique columns from the from the um newspaper and kind of goes through them and kind of goes through them in parts and it's a wide uh ensemble of characters played by you know Bear Murray for sure Owen Wilson Benicio del Toro um uh what what's that uh uh Timothy um Charlemagne? Yeah, Charlemagne. Yeah. yeah, Timothy Charlemagne. Uh he's in there. Um and a lot of the characters that you know from like Wes Anderson film because he tends to use a lot of the same actors. Um He's like Adam Sandler that way. Yeah. So uh it's very hard to describe it. It's very it's very funny. A lot of moments a very funny, funny film. Uh th- that one the one um Short, short uh, story that talks about Benicio Toro's character, who's like this like amazing artist who's like gone insane and put into like a mental asylum for like something he did. I'm not gonna spoil it, but that whole segment was just full of like just witty humor like throughout like the whole thing. And then like Timothy Shalomon's uh, uh, character in his little short story, he was kind of like this uh like this like this radical like college student who was like protesting against um something that I'm not going to give away as well. Um, that, that thing was really great. That whole little short story. Um, I think what they was what he had and just like the, the, the rod, the wider range of like talents within like all the actors and actresses, uh, he was able to convey a pretty coherent story, even though some of it was just kind of like jumbled and you really didn't know what to make at certain parts. Um, I found it pretty entertaining overall. Like I said, it's very hard to describe just because there's just short stories, but I think it was just kind of Wes Anderson's way of like just showing how much he loves filmmaking with while making it with some of like his favorite people to work with. So it's a like a very entertaining film. It's a pretty diverse when it comes to like the little stories it's telling. So I would definitely recommend it. 
I would give it a 7.5 out of 10. Not the, it's nothing like Grand Budapest, and it's nothing like Fantastic Mr. Fox, but it does stand on its own. I think it's still a great film, nonetheless. I still think I still need to get into like Wes Anderson. Like I know people write for him. I just don't. I just have not dipped my toe in there yet. But I'm glad you liked it. Oh yeah. All right, and that has been our show, the very last episode of season three of In Living Spanglish. Oh, and actually, yeah. Uh, before hold- we go, yes, yes. I had a little something that I kind of wanted to do. So, for people who may not know, so you know the like the little intro that you hear at the very beginning, the little little beat. Um, well, I am the one who composed that little intro, mm-hmm. and making beats hip-hop beats in particular is something that i'm very passionate about i really like so i just thought it'd be fun to kind of like show you what it is when it comes to like sampling and like you know and for people who don't know what sampling is just like taking a piece of music you know warping it manipulating it and making it into like something new that you can you know repurpose into like a new song and uh i kind of just want to show you like what that sounds like uh kind of like live uh, you know, from the start to the very end and like what you have. Uh, so this is like a very simple loop. This is not my beat. This is just something that I'm recreating from a, a song that already exists. So I'm just going to kind of like break it down. And you can like keep talking about it if you want. No, I'm good. That's you all know. you, baby boy. No, no, keep talking because I want you to like go back and forth. So like, so you can like just tell me like, like what you think I'm doing. So like, so like uh, if you hear this part right here. Why? Oh, you mean you want me to like describe yeah. what I see on the screen? Yeah, exactly. So like. All right. So like you hear this, so right? So he has Fruity Loops over. So you hear that? <laughs> so right, that's the original little sample. Let me drop that down. So you Special exclusive on the In Living Spanglish podcast. <laughs> uh. <laughs> So, let's do a little. Name another podcast that gives you real time beat making tutorials. I dare you. Let's do a little like uh, pitch shifting. And then we got. So basically, this is just you like raising the pitch up a notch, right? It's kind of like chopping. So, you have all that right. And yeah. like once, once I kind of like have everything the way I want it. So, let me do that one more time. Once you kind of have like everything like, and this is like me skipping to like the very, cause I'm not about to explain like everything else I do in the middle. But once you have everything pretty much 
chop the way you want. You kind of just play back and it sounds like this. And that's it. That's it. Season three. ILS. Uh, this is the end of the season, but not the end for us. We will be back very soon. We won't put a uh, a time on it, but guarantee it will be Why something. Why do you need to help me with that? What? We'll be back soon. They already, yes. they already know what it is. Uh, it's ILS. It's Ecala Mexicanas, Veronica Perez, Mexican Nazi, Veto Fuerte. Uh, make sure to put an underscore after that if you want to find us on IG, Twitter, uh, everything. And, well, you got anything else? Uh, no, that's it. Uh, thank you for sticking with us this long. We love you. We love you. We love you. We're out. My hope is that you see how Spanglish has closed the gap and formed a synergistic approach for communication. Thank you. <laughs>